Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets, powered by BetSports. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen. Andy and Matt are probably too hungover from having so much fun at the Bleacher Nation thing last night, so I'm just going to assume that's what it was. I have no idea. So we bring in producer Dan from the other side of the camera. He's rocking his college hockey hat, and we'll definitely get to some of that. But what did you hear about the event last night? I assume it was a good time. A uh, very cool story that our CEO Reed shared with us about the loyalty of the Bleacher Nation audience. If you're not familiar, Bleacher Nation uh, is is one of the properties that we at BetSports Media and Technology Group own, and we bought them last year. And they have a hyper local Chicago fan base, mostly Cubs. Started as a Cubs blog, they've expanded to NFL, NBA, everything else. Uh, there was a guy who was actually a White Sox fan who proposed to his girlfriend, a diehard. Cubs fan absolutely loves the Cubs got engaged outside Wrigley yesterday and then they came to the Bleacher Nation event like he planned this engagement around the event so that they could come hang out and be part of this event with the Bleacher Nation community so it's just like a cool thing to kind of let you know how loyal and um, uh, fanatic this fan base is for Bleacher Nation so it was a really cool thing I heard nothing but good things uh thomas ian nicholas the guy from rookie of the year yeah. uh his band performed that. last night so it seemed like a good event uh and andy tried did the nfl the nfl draft show yesterday from his hotel and his wi-fi was terrible so uh he's like i didn't even think about doing the show can you come out of the bullpen today i was like i'm, I'm gonna be there so <laughs> might as well hop in i found some things to bet uh not betting on the masters which you know congratulations to brooks kepka uh, i forgot about this until yesterday but andy's conspiracy theory about brooks kepka and the kaiser soze of golf looks like it might actually end up being prophetic for once instead of andy just doing a bit i mean it definitely helps to have the absolute like the nuts schedule scheduling yeah. in terms of his tee times like you know generally you want to play early on thursday later on friday but given the way the weather's going came out at the perfect time yesterday ripped through the course and I mean, of all the leaders, he's going to see the best of the golf course today. I mean, right. Hovland and Rom still are not out there. Um, you know, everybody else is kind of charging up here. But once these thunderstorms get started, it's going to be rough because you'll have a course that, you know, they're going to try to rush you on. They'll try to take you off. I wonder if tomorrow is just going to be a wash. I wonder if we see any golf tomorrow. It looks really bad yeah, weather-wise. So prepare yourselves for a possible Monday finish. But what a fun first round that was again everybody coming out knowing this is the best chance you have i think people were really firing at stuff um you know the par fives at the creeks not a lot of people laying up even when they probably should have everybody just going for their opportunities yesterday so a fun first round and you know did you have any first round leader bets i can't believe you i had, did I don't not know bet first round leader um i would not have bet who was the third oh brooks was the third guy who was tied um i probably would not have bet any of them um hovland Hovland is not a guy who has particularly played well here ever. He's never really contended at a major. He finished fourth at the open last year, but was a million shots back. Um, and this is a really tough course. If you miss the greens and he like, 
you know, now it looks like Brooks might run away with this thing, but who knows? But like Hovland hit a, sh- a really bad second shot over a bunker into a really bad spot where it was going to be a really, really tricky chip over a bunker short side to the green and he stuck it to within a couple of feet and it was like uh, oh this might be a different victor hovland uh john rom's never really been in contention here he's had some good finishes but never been in contention and i mean to go double bogey four putt the first hole and finish seven unders absolutely insane scotty scheffler was i think 81st out of 87th and uh, strokes gained putting yesterday so he had a really miserable round with the putter and did everything else well so you wonder if he can get going and like this is what you want, right? Like with all due respect to the Minwoo Lees and the Gary Woodlands, even who's won one of the won a major. Like we want to see Rom and Hovland and like the young guns, and we want to see Scheffler. And so they couldn't have a better leaderboard. And honestly, like I am kind of indifferent towards live golf. I think it's lame, but like the drama of Brooks Kepka against any of the big guns on Sunday has to be like CBS won't come out and admit it because no one can admit they want anything to do with live, but you know, there are CBS executives out there who are just like rubbing their hands together, secretly praying that if like tiger's not in contention, which he's not going to be, we get live versus Rory Rom or Scotty for the master's green jacket on Sunday. Like what more could they want? And we might be heading for that. Yeah, the, the live stuff has been, you know, I don't really care. And, um, you know, you heard on the deep dive, Link and those guys talked about it. It's, you know, whatever. Um, I do like, though, I think it is, Siwoo Kim is playing with Phil Mickelson. He's got the all PGA Tour shirt on. Does he? The PGA Tour, like a thousand times. I've enjoyed that. That seems kind of petty, and I'm here for it. Um, we'll see. It's been a great, great tournament so far. But let's get into today's best. Yeah. Where are we starting with? Tennis today? Yeah, well, let's start with some tennis. What do we got to call Got our parlay. Did not get the under. Madison Keys kind of screwed around there in the second set. It was still pretty close. We had a shot for it in the third and um, got a, in three sets. It got pretty close to it. But um, we'll start again today in Charleston. Um, just the first set over here. We're down to the Elite Eight, if you will. So just four matches. Jabor, a solid favorite over Kalinskaya makes sense. Uh, Keys, a medium favorite over Kasakina makes sense. Maybe a little value on Keys. She generally crunches Kasakina. Um, and then Pagula Badosa should be a lot of fun. That's a toss-up. But give me the first set over here in Belinda Benchich versus Ekaterina Alexandrova. Um, saw these two play an incredible match in Miami just about a week ago here, expecting another really great match. Um, and again, fits the profile of kind of these bets. The total is 21 and a half, probably closes around 22. And still have a chance here to bet first set over nine and a half. And um, starting to get a little worried here. Some books not hanging as many of these. This one was at points bet. You can get minus 105 at DraftKings. The folks at FanDuel, no first set totals today. So um, I'm sure we'll see those back for some of the bigger events. But mm-hmm. keep your eye out. Um, and then in Bogota, apologies to Mrs. Danzig. I spelled her name wrong. But let's just do what we did yesterday. Run it back. Um, Sarah Sorb is Tormo. And um, Tamara Zidantic now. Zidantic, you could just play her money line. She's minus 110 if you just want to play that as a straight up. But again, really like these prices we're getting on Tormo. She's minus 185 against Camilla Rakamova. I just closed her to 240, 230, honestly. So happy to put her with something. Take Tormo, parlay it with whatever the heck you want. Again, I chose Zidantic here. It gets us to two to one. But um, again, really like Tormo in that matchup. I think she should be a much bigger favorite. And Zidantic goes against Peyton Stearns, a very competitive young American, maybe a little bit tougher for me to handicap her. But 
Zdancic should be much better in these conditions. And given her experience and overall level here, I have her closer to minus 130 than you know the minus 110 you're seeing here. So put the two together, you get two to one. Again, play Zdancic straight up if you want. Put Tormo with something else. Maybe do like a Tormo Scheffler to win the Masters more like something like that because I think you need a little Scotty Scheffler. I don't, I don't, we'll see how he handles it. I did not like how petty he was in his press conference when they were asking about stuff. He's like, well, you, you're on TV. You tell me what you saw. Like, <laughs> This is your job. You knew you were going to have to talk to this guy. You knew he was going to ask you asinine questions. Like, chill out, bro. He's even through six right now, Scotty Shepard. He just got it back. He was one over to start. Yeah. Um, Oh, no, he wasn't, unless the leaderboard is wrong. It looks like it's oh. six pars. looks like it's six pars for me on his scorecard today, unless he was four or was he four under. He was, he was four under yesterday. yesterday. He bogeyed. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He's one he over. Bogeyed one, yeah. He bogeyed one. He's four. He's one over on his round today. I wonder about that. I mean, you know, we'll just talk about the Masters. Forget everything else. Um, the pressure coming back after winning the Masters for the first time. Like, how much pressure there has to be on you to feel like you have to perform, maybe more so than any other major, because obviously it's the only one that's the same course every year. I wonder if he's feeling a little bit of pressure now. I wouldn't mind having any piece of Scotty, but like, I just kind of wonder about that. So, you know, we'll see. Who knows. Everybody assumes it's it's much easier, right? So, you know, you've won the Masters before. This is the ultimate course history course, and mm-hmm. you should just be out there. You should know how all these greens break and stuff, and it's just tough for him. And then maybe when everybody was pissed, he just ran the Applebee's menu for the Champions Dinner. There you go. I mean, hey. Could be it. Uh, firecracker shrimp or whatever it was. Um, remo- we'll come back to that at the end of the show. I want to ask you. making mean remarks. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so there was a baseball game yesterday in Atlanta between the, the Braves and Padres. And I only caught bits and pieces of it because we were watching the hockey game. But like everyone who was there, Braves home opener taking on the Padres, a team who a lot of people think could win the West. And everyone who was there said it felt like a playoff environment in April, which is pretty cool. Braves went on a walk off single. So um, I've got a couple of baseball bets and I really only care about the Braves. So I just threw together a couple of bets for tonight. And because, and because Matt isn't here i had to do a bet in honor of matt and that's the bottom one uh i had to go with the total bases prop for matt but we'll start at the top this isn't necessarily like atlanta sports fatalism necessarily this first one padres <laughs> first five over two and a half at minus 105 the braves are throwing jared schuster on so the padres uh, team total yes the their their team total over two and a half in the first five innings at one oh minus one oh five, I believe I got that at FanDuel or DraftKings. Just double check. Uh, Jared Schuster making his second major league start for the Braves. He started in the first series against Washington, gave up four earned runs and walked five batters in four and two thirds innings. Now most of that was in the first inning. He gave up four runs in the first inning, um, and then was fine the rest of the game. But the Washington lineup is pretty dog crap. So like they're playing a much much better offense in San Diego, a team who can put runs up on the board and maybe Schuster will have settled down. He's very highly regarded in the Braves organization, but second major league start, even at home against a lineup like the Padres seems like the Braves might have to lean on their offense tonight to win that game. So I'm going to go with the Padres first five over two and a half at minus one Oh five. And then for Matt, I've got a Matt bet, Matt Olson total bases over one and a half at plus plus one fifteen. Nick Martinez starting for the Padres tonight. Matt Olson four for nine with two home runs and three RBIs in his career against Nick Martinez. Martinez so far this season Olsen hitting 333 with a 1.161 OPS 
four doubles, three home runs, and that builds on a spring, and I know spring training is spring training, but he hit eight home runs in spring training, which is a brave spring training franchise record, and had three doubles, so he came into the spring seeing the ball extremely well, and it has carried over to the regular season. So far, he's an extra base hit machine facing a pitcher that he is very familiar with, so Give me Matt Olson total bases over one and a half at plus 115 because I can't avoid, uh, I can't just resist a good plus money bet, noobs. It's just how I operate. I like it. That's uh, That all really appeals to me. I like that you found a guy named Matt to bet on. It yeah. Just, it just works. And, it, it does. Uh, we, need, we, need, we need stuff to bet on because it is another bleak night of Ooh. NBA basketball. Um, as I take a look here, there are 10 games. Not one of them involves two teams that actually have something to play for. Um, the Detroit Pistons, we'll talk about that game in just a second. I did actually find a wager there. Um, the Rockets, four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Charlotte, which is one of the stupidest things I've ever said out loud. Um, just going to leave that one go. The Hornets, again, benched everybody in that game. Houston's still playing their kids. Uh, both teams locked into their draft position. Literally no reason to win or lose any either one of those games. Uh, the Miami Heat, like six and a half points in Washington. The Heat coming off uh, a back-to-back last night. We're able to beat my Philadelphia 76ers. Still have an outside chance of getting the six seed, so um, should push tonight to play. I'm curious to see how that game goes. Again, I think Happy to leave that alone because the Heat might just bail on this game. Who knows? It's just absolutely a mess. Um, what happened? They did pull the Orlando game off. That game disappeared because part of the reason the Heat might not care tonight, the Orlando Magic, um, I assume in a spiteful move to try to get the Heat um, to lock in the seventh seed, play the Brooklyn Nets tonight and are benching everyone. Yeah. The top eight players on the Orlando Magic will not be playing tonight. Um, that game looks like it's been pulled off the board for probably good reason. My Sixers are 11-point underdogs. Your Atlanta Hawks, the Sixers have nothing to play for. The Hawks still trying to keep themselves in the eighth seed there. So we'll see how that goes. Again, 11 feels like too much, but I have no clue. Um, the Raptors, one-point underdogs in Boston. Boston has nothing to play for. The Raptors trying to hold on to good playing position, maybe sneak into eight. Um, the Grizzlies are eight-point favorites in Milwaukee. The Bucks resting everybody tonight. So um, be careful there. Not even sure the Grizzlies have anything to play for. The Knicks are done. They are locked in. They ha- they already know who they're playing. Cavaliers-Knicks is set. We've got playoff price. Um, series prices up a few places there. Probably we'll talk about that more on Monday, of course. Um, so the Knicks not playing for anything. The Pelicans, eight-point favorites. Bulls, Mavericks, the Bulls are locked in. They're going to be the 10th seed in the East in the play-in, no matter what happens from here on out. The Mavericks really need to win this game to try to catch up with Oklahoma City to get in the play-in. The Warriors, not enough point favorites in Sacramento. Sacramento's done. The Lakers, 10-point favorites. The Phoenix, again, locked in there. But the one game, I did find a bet here. Um, a team that continues to play with effort when they have their guys, because it doesn't matter. They're going to get one of the top three spots in the lottery, which means they have the best odds of any team, basically, to get Victor Webb and Young. The Detroit Pistons, they're still playing their guys. They're seven-point underdogs here in Indiana. No Tyrese Halliburton. um, Miles Turner, questionable. Still not 100% there. Um, Just start to look at this matchup here. and You know, this game should be much, much closer here, given who's playing. I do have the Pacers short favorites here, maybe four and a half, five, but nowhere near the seven that we're getting here. So give me the Pistons plus seven. I'll hold my nose and take some stinky cheese here. But be careful, folks. Just a few more nights, and then we finally get to the postseason. You know that the end of the regular season in the NBA sucks so much when they moved Hawks Celtics on Sunday to ESPN at one o'clock, despite the fact it does look right now like neither team is going to have anything to play for. So I have an idea. I just brought up the schedule here, Noobs. What they should do instead is find 
the worst possible game and put that game on national television as just tank for just do it like like bring Victor Winbanyama on live during the game to talk to him like hey do you want to play for one of these two teams although I look at it right now and it looks like every game features one playoff team nope never mind Houston Washington let's put Houston and Washington on on ESPN on Sunday and just bring Victor Winbanyama on bring on whoever the ESPN draft guy is uh, I can't think of his name right now to talk about how great Victor Winbanyama is and just make this a tank a thon kind of nationally televised game because who cares what happens if the Hawks wrap up whatever seed they're going to be in the Celtics have already wrapped up whatever seed they're going to be right like they're locked into the two three whatever it is yeah and then I mean, you- the big games on Sunday will be Oklahoma City probably has to beat Memphis to stay right. in the plan so we'll see how that goes and again Dallas will be playing as I look at the schedule on Sunday, really nothing up up in the air there. Maybe Brooklyn flubs the game tonight somehow and still needs to win to get the sixth seed. But I think everyone is going to be well locked in by Sunday. Maybe just call it a tie. Every game on Sunday is a tie. No, just put Houston on national television. That's that's what America needs right now. I'm sure the NBA would love that. Nobody's going to be watching anyway. They're going to be watching the Masters. And it's also Easter. Like Nobody's going to be watching ABC at 1 o'clock on Sunday or ESPN. At one o'clock. On it night. is nice. All the games are like early. It's going to be done real quick. Yeah. So again, we'll have plenty to do instead of watching NBA. On oh Sunday, God, but... it would have been the best day to work, to work still in highlights at ESPN. Nothing late except maybe one baseball game that would be over in two and a half hours. Um, you want to talk some college hockey noobs? Let's do it. Talk, talk to me. Where are we? We are down to the national championship. We are down to the final two teams left in col- hashtag college hockey. Shout out to my guy, John Bucci Gross. From ESPN, uh, Minnesota, a 6-2 winner over Boston University last night in the first semifinal. And then Quinnipiac, the Bobcats, Hamden, Connecticut's own, my my beloved fiance's only sports team she actually cares about. They defeat the Michigan Wolverines 5-2. They get a revenge for the regional semifinal last year. So we get the two teams that most people thought were the two best teams in the country most of the year. Like basically everyone kind of thought that Minnesota Quinnipiac and Michigan were the three best teams in the country this year. And it kind of bared out that way. So we are now down to Quinnipiac seeking their first ever national championship and Minnesota seeking their first national championship in a long time. This game is tomorrow night and I'm going to bet I'm going to give out the under six and a half on this game, which might seem crazy. Noops. Three games. So this is a so they start in it's a sixteen team tournament. Nope. So sixteen eight four. They've played three games. How many goals do you think Minnesota in three games has scored? Eleven. Minnesota has scored nineteen goals in three games. They scored That's nine in the, they scored nine in their first game. So uh they scored nine, they scored four, and they scored uh Overs. they scored uh six yesterday. Uh, well, they played Kinesius in the first round. Kinesius was the 16 seed, so it was like basically they played the worst team in the tournament, and they put a bunch of goals on them. Quinnipiac has scored 14 goals in the NCAA tournament so far. So why would I advocate for the under here? Comes down to special teams. Uh, Minnesota scored four power play goals against Kinesius. They scored three power play goals against Boston University yesterday. So seven of their 19 goals came on on uh, power plays in the tournament. Quinnipiac killed 86.5% of penalties this year, which is fourth in the country. They allowed the fewest power play goals in the country this year. They don't commit a lot of mistakes, this Quinnipiac team. They don't have the high-end NHL talent that Minnesota and Michigan have. Michigan has some unbelievable players. That almost 
carried them through yesterday, but Quinnipiac was able to weather the storm really outplayed a really good Michigan team for most of the game, except for about an eight minute period in the second period yesterday. They, they run a, a one, three, one. It's not a zone. It's not zone defense the way that it is in, in basketball, but they run a one, three, one. And basically what they do is they clog the middle of the ice. So the way that you have to try to attack Quinnipiac is to, to stretch the puck across the ice stretch passes is how you kind of move the puck on them. They're a really hard team to score on. They don't give up a lot of goals. They're very defensive. They're very well organized. And if they're not, giving up goals on power plays. They just don't give up power play opportunities. They don't give up goals on power play opportunities. It should be a game where defense is a little bit better than what we've seen so far in this NCAA tournament. Quinnipiac's not an extremely explosive team on offense. It's a very, a very experienced team in Quinnipiac against a Minnesota team with a lot of really young, talented freshman players, but some experienced guys. Uh, Matthew Nyes is their best player. He's a, a Toronto Maple Leafs draft pick. He's a very good player, but uh, another fun fact that I discovered, Ethan DeYoung for Quinnipiac, he is going to set the record tomorrow night for the most college hockey games played with one team. He will play his 183rd game with Quinnipiac because of the COVID season, got him an extra year of eligibility. So like that's what we're talking about. Zach Metza, their captain, he's I think seventh on the all-time list of consecutive game or of games played with one NHL team or with one uh, NCAA team. So very experienced team. I expect it to be more defensive than what we've seen. And if Quinnipiac can keep Minnesota from capitalizing on power play opportunities, I think we're going to see a, a dogfight of, of a game. Uh, should be fun. I would encourage you. I think it's eight o'clock tomorrow night. If you're not doing anything else, if you're home, check it out. The Minnesota or the QU Michigan game last night was awesome and, and a lot of action in that game. So, uh, I, I, I feel kind of crazy giving out an under between two teams who have scored a combined 33 goals and a combined six games played so far in the NCAA tournament. But I think this is going to come down to special teams. And, uh, if Quinnipiac can be better than Minnesota, I think we're going to see a lower scoring game. Uh, it's absolutely it's um a little contrarian i like a contrarian under there and again with the rain possible for the masters you might have to watch some college yeah hockey. you could have worse things to do oh and that reminds me on my braves bet uh atlanta well the suburbs of atlanta and augusta aren't super far away from each other so there's a possibility there's going to be some weather affecting the braves game tonight so you might get voided on those bets if you play those bets but you know we'll see what happens Fingers crossed, people. We'll try to be optimistic. And speaking of optimistic, you said Andy had trouble with the draft show. I assume he got through it anyway. And yeah. you've got a bet for us. Is this something the boys talked about last night, or are you going rogue here? I'm going rogue here because this market just popped this morning on DraftKings. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I cannot bet this because the state of Connecticut, while we do have legal sports betting, I'm not allowed to legally bet on the draft in Connecticut. So I can't yeah, bet I this at DraftKings, and I looked, and none of the offshores that I use have this. So go to DraftKings if you can and bet this. But I like Devon Witherspoon, his draft position under 8.5 at minus 150. He's a cornerback out of Illinois. Uh, I don't think he gets past the Atlanta Falcons at eight if he's available. I don't think he gets past. I mean, and, and honestly, the Detroit Lions at six, the Las Vegas Raiders at seven, the Falcons at eight, all teams that could end up taking Devon Witherspoon. The Lions did invest a lot in their secondary, but one way that you can, one thing that allows you to invest in your secondary is drafting a young cornerback or drafting a young safety, because then you have a cornerback or a defensive back on a rookie contract and you can pay the guy opposite him 
a lot of money. Now, the, the Lions might be going in reverse with this, giving out their free agent money, but still drafting him. The Raiders secondary last year was absolutely horrendous. And the Atlanta Falcons have A.J. Terrell, who is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, but he's due for an extension. And again, like I said, you draft Devon Witherspoon, you have him under a cost-controlled contract for five years. That allows you to give A.J. Terrell the big extension, so you're not over-leveraged at the cornerback position And when it comes to the salary cap. Uh, I, B. John Robinson's my favorite player in the draft, but that's largely because he's one of my favorite Texas Longhorns ever. Devon Witherspoon might be my second favorite player in this draft. If you haven't watched this guy on film, he's a lunatic. He's a smaller cornerback. I think he's like 5'10", 5'11", like 190, but he plays, he hits like a linebacker. This is a dude who will like run up to the line of scrimmage. He is not afraid of contact. He is not afraid to hit. And it seems like over the past few days, uh, he has kind of crept past Christian Gonzalez, uh, amongst the top cornerbacks in this draft. And it seems like people are kind of leaning towards him as the number one cornerback drafted. So if you have a book where he is a dog to Christian Gonzalez in that market, I don't hate that either, but I just don't think Devon Witherspoon gets past eight. I think six, seven or eight in this draft is where he's going to end up going. If the board shakes out a certain way, maybe that might throw some things uh, might throw a wrench into it. But at that price, even at minus one fifty. The, the tea leaves right now seem to suggest that he's going to end up being a, a top eight pick in the draft. So I don't mind laying the juice at the 150 there. I don't even know if the price is still available. The deep dive DJ in Discord, I think all those guys started hitting it this morning. As you can see, Patrick, one of the guys in there, he approved and already bet it this morning. Uh, I think he might have been the one who brought it to our attention or was one of the guys who bet it. So there you go. Yeah, 5'11 and a half. I like the yeah. half there. 181 half, pounds. Half. Well, you round up to six, basically, which is I like. Imagine they didn't bet it with sneakers too. You get those shoes on. You get that. Also true. Okay. So I want to go back to the Masters real quick. The last thing I want to bring up because I didn't want to derail with more Masters talk because this isn't really a sports talk, but this came up in one of my group chats last night. Noops, I'm going to assume that someday you're going to win the Masters. I'm just going to throw it out there that you're going to win the Masters. What would your Masters champions dinner be? I mean, you're in Atlanta, Georgia. Augusta, so I would Augusta. try to take advantage of the local cuisine. There would be some, I mean, dessert would be something peach, a peach cobbler, peach ice cream, something like that. Um, I think I would just go barbecue, like just bring bring it all the ribs, every rib, every single rib. And then the rest of it, I don't really care about. I assume I have to pick a vegetable. I don't know. Do they have good vegetables in Atlanta? Is there a special Atlanta vegetable? Um, I mean, okra is a southern thing. Like you can get just like you can get any kind of vegetable. Like we have barbecue, all kinds of barbecue down there. Maybe so do like, that, like a jambalaya kind of thing, yeah. and like jambalaya, and then all the ribs. Yeah, I love. Or maybe it. lemon pepper wings. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, that came up. My buddy asked me if I would choose something Texas, Georgia, or Connecticut related, and I was like, well, not Connecticut. And then I kind of started thinking of a Connecticut menu, which would be extremely weird, um, but still delicious. But I think I'd probably, yeah, barbecue is just like fail safe. And that's what Spieth did when he won. He just did like brisket and grill and pulled chicken and all that kind of stuff and a bunch of veggie choices. Although pimento he went warm cheese. chocolate chip cookie. He went, uh, yeah, pimento cheese is going. He went warm chocolate chip cookie for dessert, which seems kind of boring choice for me there. Um, yeah, go I, bigger. Yeah. And then the idea of like doing something crazy and making like these really, really like successful golfers eat weird things came up because it wasn't very weird. But Tiger, when he won the last time, he said he contemplated doing milkshakes again. Because if you remember when Tiger won the Masters the first time, of course, there was the Fuzzy Zeller uh, controversy over what Fuzzy Zeller thought Tiger's menu was going to be. But he chose like 
cheeseburgers and grilled chicken sandwiches and french fries but he had strawberry milkshakes like for dessert. yeah basically it's strawberry celebration exactly it's like what trump gave to clemson when they visited the white house is tiger woods's master's menu and he did say that one of his favorite memories was watching uh sam sneed and gene sarazen drink strawberry milkshakes at the masters uh, champions dinner in 98 so he thought like maybe he would bring it back when he won last time but i don't think he did so it was just a conversation that came up and i wanted to get your take on it as a man of the world uh and i like that you went local i'd imagine they could probably bring in good food from just about anywhere i, I mean like if it's going to be the best meal ever so like if this is your last meal question like we're doing lobster roll and none of that cold bullshit with mayonnaise mm -mm. Hot lobster, all the butter in a lobster roll. I think, still think ribs makes the cut, but maybe like some sort of absurd steak. I mean, but I do. I think it matters. I think people are a little annoyed at whatever Scotty picked. There was some complaints about it. And you're right. Like there's some old ass dudes that are at this dinner. Like all those guys that do the first, you know, um, the ceremonial tee off, if you will, and barely make it down the first hole. <laughs> um, it's going to be nice. Yeah. Well, Scotty's menu was fine. It was like very Applebee's plus was his menu like it was like firecracker shrimp and tortilla soup and then like steak and fish like it was fine it wasn't there was there was nothing offensive about it you could go the uh Hideki Matsuyama route and just make it as expensive as hell because he had a5 wagyu uh for the entree which like that's a baller move to be like I mean technically a5 Japanese wagyu like delicacy I get it but like that's a kind of a baller move to be like I won the masters I want this to be the most expensive meal ever I like that. That's a good way to go. You're right. There'd be a lot of angles, but I try again. I'll try to do local food. What's good that's around. But you're right. Going big like that, just like now, I want everyone to have a five thousand dollars steak for themselves. That's perfect. Like, what more could you want? Who knows? But that's all we got today. Um, covered a whole bunch of sports again. Really excited for the Masters. Keep your eye on the weather, folks. Tomorrow could really be rough, but we'll see. Thanks for watching. Give us a thumbs up. All that good stuff. We'll be back on Monday with more. Have a great weekend, everybody.